this is Hacker Public Radio. It is a podcast that comes out every single weekday, and it could be a different host every day. It usually is a different host every day because anybody who feels like recording a show can record it and upload it, and we publish it. And the only restriction is that it has to be a subject that is of interest to hackers. So here's, here's where my uh, interests overlap is I, I love hackers. I love what little bit of hacking I can do. And I love nerdcore rap. And you are absolutely the intersection of the two. And for folks listening, I'm speaking to Mr. Whitey Cracker. So how you doing, dude? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. I'm doing pretty good. And I'm glad to hear you're doing good. So, <laughs> And uh, you said you're kind of sick. I'm I'm sorry to hear that, bro. <laughs> I, I uh, generally like at this time of year, I always I catch what I call nerd flu. It's um after you go to like a convention. Um, I was just at a uh, in Vegas for um affiliate summit and uh, Internex, uh the porn convention, and then immediately after that, I went to this anime convention in Ohio. And when you're like in planes and you're you know shaking hands and taking pictures with everybody, invariably you will get infected and that's just what's up so uh, i think i'm just fighting back a little bit of a head cold from all that that run, run around yeah for sure so um all right so dude so for our listeners who don't know you can you explain a little bit of your background my background as it pertains to the topic at hand i guess i, I um i used to be into um penetration testing without permission when I was younger, and then uh, I did a lot of what would be considered graffiti, except on websites. So it was kind of a, a very hip hop way of getting up uh, in, a, in a nerd nerd fashion. And I used to detail a lot of these exploits and stuff, appropriate word, you know, in, in song form. And so as a result, I I uh, made a lot of music instead of like chronicling what was going on in in the streets. It was more about what was going on, on the internet. So as a result, what is called now is nerdcore hip hop, named as such is uh, I guess the genre that I was performing in. So uh, basically, in in a nutshell, I have a long and storied computer background, and I married it with music, and thusly, I assault your ears with crap. Oh, I wouldn't call it crap, dude. I I love a whole bunch of it. I mean, you know, I don't I don't love every nerdcore rap from every artist, you know, so I I can't love all of them, but you know, of the ones that I do really like, yours are, you know, top shelf. I mean, they are they are up there with with the best of the best. I mean, you're there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh thank you, man. I mean, cuz you you give all this stuff away. I mean, a lot of it a lot of it can be purchased. Which I got to take issue. You got one that's only for sale on iTunes right now. I, I got to be able to get it on Amazon or something. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I have uh, my well, my philosophy has always been the only reason I ever really started charging for music is like when you give something an intrinsic value. Like if I wrote a song and said, "Hey, it costs a thousand dollars to download the song," people are gonna immediately like, "I want that song," you know, because it's a thousand dollars or whatever. Just you know, anything expensive, just like like a Louis Vuitton bag is you know, maybe slightly better crafted than, uh, you know, your, your guest bag or, you know, your school backpack or something like that, but it's just the, the name. So in a sense, really, I, I've always wanted to have fans more than the money because a fan will come and see you perform when you go to their, their town or whatever, or they'll buy t-shirts or something. So, you know, really like, I think music is like one of those commodities 
you know, it's it's art, so it should be should be shared, you know, and disseminated and remixed and played with and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I've always believed in just kind of letting the things. I'm never gonna sue anybody for stealing my music or anything. Yeah, right on. So are you are you making a living doing music? Are you like on the road? Uh, I have like a I make like a theoretical living at music. My main love affair with with money i i make a living off of internet websites and internet marketing and stuff like that so my the internet is my office so i'm able to do it from anywhere if i was to just shut that down and you know tour constantly and uh be more diligent about selling merchandise and and stuff i i have no doubt that i could sustain myself off of just music but Music has always kind of remained more of a secondary or tertiary profession in the sense that it's more of a hobby that kind of became something more uh, in a sense. But it winds up being, you know, I guess a focus point for periods of time, I guess. So it's a it's a semi-living. Cool, cool. Can we talk about your background? Is that something you're comfortable talking about? I, yeah. I know it's it's a storied background. So where did you come from? Where did you grow up and stuff, like young ages? Well, I was born in, in California. Uh, my dad took a job. My dad, uh, he was a electrical engineering major. He got a degree and started working for Hughes Aircraft, and he was designing stuff for the Peacekeeper and tow missiles. And so I was. So w- we moved out to California. I was born there, uh, but my dad was originally from Colorado, <clears throat> Colorado Springs. And so when we, when I turned two and we moved back to Denver, and then four, we were back in, in the Springs, uh, Colorado Springs, and uh, I lived most of my life there. Colorado Springs, huge defense influx, like there's, uh, you know, NORAD was there, That's, yep. I mentioned it, but Peterson, Schriever, the Air Force Academy, there's uh, Fort Carson, which is a army base, like just a gigantic military presence. And so as a result, a lot of defense contractors and my father did a lot of work for Lockheed um, Martin Marietta, then Lockheed Martin after the merger and saw me. He was always like a hardware guy, but we had a computer in our house. That was rare. Oh, yeah. How old? How old? When were you born? 1982. 82. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, we had like, I mean, I helped build a Timex Sinclair at 1K of memory, which is like basically like a screen full. Damn. Uh, the TI-99 it had a TI Basic was like the operating system of it. Kind of like how Apple II's um, Apple Basic was uh, there. Let me ask you a quick question about that, about building them. Did your dad, is this something like he put you up to and made you do it? Or was this something like you jumped at? You're like, oh, oh, snap, I get to build a computer. Oh, I was fascinated like with, that's, I started reading very, very, I was two, like there's cassette tapes of me reading, just reading books and stuff at two years old. By four, I mean, computers always just, just fascinated me. And so by four, I was taking, used to have to like, there's these magazines you'd get and the books you could buy and you could just transcribe basic programs from the books. And yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know type them in and and so just through repetition that type of thing that's how I, I learned how to program and and um, you know modif- like modify games the way that I wanted them modified just by yep typing and stuff and so uh, yeah the, the the thought of you know building computers like honestly the the older I got the the less 
hardware like where stuff like my dad was always a very good hardware nut um yep. but the older i got like i wasn't playing with the breadboards and stuff as as much um it was all about software for me oh that's cool that's cool. i i when my oldest daughter asked me for a computer i made her build it and i just didn't know like you know i told it but she didn't seem too enthused about it except for when we were doing it but I, I don't know if it was more the time we were spending together or the computer part of it but she at least gets to brag to her computer teacher that she built her own and nobody else even knows what she means by that but uh you know i had a, I had a similar experience not too long ago with my own daughter i was trying to my computer wouldn't post one of my um pcs and so i opened it up and i was explaining to her all of the you know different components of a of a computer and and again like it's you could because she loves playing computer games but she's not so much into the how to the computer game really work you know i think that was part of my i guess love affair with it, is the fact that i i wanted to know like the behind the scenes type of stuff she wasn't incredibly interested but you know it's it's kind of engaging material like you sort of have to have a love for it you know yeah. what i mean some people have it some people don't it's just a passion towards anything you know yep now how, how old were you when that happened uh, with with what when you were when you were building computers with your dad? Oh, like so four, five, six. Um, wow. You know, like I was in Cub Scouts and like the Pinewood Derby car that I built uh, was a police car and it had like a working siren with a LED. Nice. So I mean, it, there's all sorts of like little electronics that like having a father, I guess, that was you know involved in in uh, electronics and everything. Like I think maybe have helped because. Uh, you know, every kid looks up to their parents at some point in their life. So yeah, no, I've I've built the Pinewood Derby cars too, but I, I never did it as a kid. I did it as a dad. We've built a couple now, and but mostly my son has done his own. He's done all his. He wouldn't even let me help. You, you know, even when I tried, he he just he he did what I told him to do as far as the performance stuff. But all his own stuff was his own stuff, and and we did grown up stuff. So I made one that was that looked like a. NES controller with a mushroom drive and and I did another one like with carbon fiber and stuff. I went nuts with it. That's awesome. <gasps> but we've done those, but they were fun. So when did uh, when did when did rap and hip? Well, back then it wasn't hip hop; it was rap. But when when did rap come in, come into your life? Um, I was like kind of queer. I don't know. <laughs> like I just I love like poetry and everything, and and I love yep. writing stories and i mean even you know when i was little let's say that came with the, the reading and then um i mean i played guitar for i mean since like high school uh but i say middle school i kind of really got in hip-hop just i think there was just that suburban like there was the whole mc hammer uh vanilla ice wave or whatever that'd come out yeah right on that was like phase three for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like the sk the, the skating rink phase, I, I would call it. Yep. Oh, man, the skating rink. How many girlfriends did you have from the skating rink? And I, not many, honestly. I, do you, do you, the, I remember the disco ball would spin, and it would, like, screw me up, so I'd always fall over <laughs> because the lights <laughs> reflect on the rink, and, you know, it make you look like you're going super fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I... No, I was again. I was, I was really, really nerdy. Like growing, like I mean, I wasn't like socially outcast or anything like that. But I was super, just like off. I guess you could say. Like it just kind of didn't really fit in. I, I don't. I don't think you got to explain that to the hacker public radio crowd. I think we all understand that. I think, I think pretty much most of us come from a similar 
uh, background as far as that mindset is concerned. Yeah, so I, I had a lot of girlfriends, but they didn't know it. They didn't know they were my girlfriends. Oh, right on. Yeah, see, I, I used to have to go to the skating rink to meet girls because all the girls from my town already knew what a nerd I was. So I had to go to go there to meet girls from other towns. So I had at least three or four. Yes, and then you got the whole my girlfriend goes to another school. Like that whole thing. Like, oh, you don't, yeah. you don't know her. And, and what a bitch it was making calls because two towns over was long distance and your parents would kill you for racking the bill up. I, dude, I'm having – this is some memory lane like flooding back to me. Uh, <laughs> that's good stuff. So you came into – or rap came to you about the time of like MC Hammer and, and those guys? That was when you started in? The hip-hop that I like – so it was this, this whole like – I remember I had a Newsweek magazine and it had like Snoop on the cover and uh, it was talking about is I, I got the magazine at my grandparents' house or something like that. I was talking about this influx of gangster rap, like just this gritty, you know, I guess portrait of the street type of stuff. That I mean, a suburban kid like myself never would have even imagined the, the you know types of goings on in this. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that happened to a lot of kids. And so, but it wasn't until I would say like like high school age when I really started to, you know, do do it myself. And you know, there's always this huge hip hop um, notion of of keeping it real and everything. And so, I was part of this little collective we called ourselves Angel Pool on um, Key Elements, and it was just like this hodgepodge of guys. And but you know, every verse that I was throwing down would always have like computer references and stuff in it. Yep. And so it was. I rapped what I knew, and, and then conversely, I guess that sort of just spilled over into, you know, full songs. And I would I would do like these parody type songs that like reflected Cash Money No Limit type of stuff, except I was doing uh, them about, you know, spamming on the internet or you know hacking or something like that. And so that's sort of the the genesis of um, of all that stuff. I'm glad you brought up keeping it real because it was something that you made me almost immediately. I was thinking of keeping it real, where a lot of hip hop kind of centers around having having that credibility and keeping it real and rapping about what you know and not being a pretender, which is where like you know guys like Vanilla Ice made their mistake, where he he rapped about being a gangster when he'd never seen one. Right, right, right. So the fact that you're rapping about nerdy stuff and stuff that isn't mainstream. But it is what you know. To me, that is keeping it real. And my guess is that you probably didn't have to fight for cred, that it probably came with that because it, you were keeping it real. Is that is that about right or, or was it still tough? At the beginning, like it was odd. There was this period of time where I had like I was entertaining a very small group of people that, you know, kind of we had a good laugh about it. And just for people who don't know, this is back when nerds were not cool yet. Right, right. I mean, I'm talking like, yeah, late 90s even. I mean, I guess there's a sort of a chic kind of attached to it. Like There was that whole kind of resurgence in the 80s, but it was a giant parody of itself. What what wound up happening, I guess, is it, yeah, towards the end of the 90s and beginning, of, I even had, like when I was doing initially the music that I was doing, it was finding an audience, but oddly enough, there was a lot of people that were against me. Like they were like, you know, this is stupid, like, what is this white kid trying to rap about? You know, and even like people on Meta Filter, and you know, these are supposed to be my people. You know, that are they're feeling this. And so there was a period of time where I, I found a lot of opposition. But in 2003, like was a one of my 
largest stage performance. I performed with Exhibit of like Pin My Ride, you know, uh, Dog Pound fame. Yep. I was doing the Player's Ball, which is, you know, this like Dawn Magic one, you know, Snoop performed there, uh, you know, two a great respect for what I was doing because of the, the whole keeping it real aspect, which was which was really cool. Now, here's here's where you have me at a slight disadvantage, because where I came into to rap or where rap came to I, I've never done it. I've only ever been a, a fan and a listener I, where it came to me earlier. Like I I geez, I was listening to rap in probably 84, 85, 86 because I lived I won't say I lived in the city, but I lived right in the outskirts of Boston. And I was listening to all of that. And then when the early 90s rolled around and like NWA, I could not get enough NWA, but even before that, I couldn't get enough of like EPMD, uh, even DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince were, were hot shit to me because I was a young kid. But when Two Live Crew came around and their disrespect for women yep. started coming in, even as a young kid, as like a 13 year old kid, maybe I was 13 or 14 or 15, something like that, I couldn't take it and I bailed on, on rap and I had no music really in my life for like several years until somebody was like okay look here's led zeppelin here's jethro tull and you know it's like here's some good music no problem and then recently like 2005 2006 i started hearing some nerd corn i was like oh man this is old school good rap this is this is great so i missed from like probably 94 to 2004 (laughs) so i never heard and, you know, these guys you're talking about now, like Snoop Dogg and uh, and and I forget the other guy you just mentioned, the Dog Pound. Uh, Exhibit. Exhibit used to rap with this group called the Alcoholics. But, you know, he was, he's, he was with, uh, you know, Snoop and Dre and Eminem, like that whole, like, kind of death row click. Or it wasn't death row, aftermath. Like, I've all again, I've always been a fan of, of it. Oddly enough, like, my, my first and biggest love of music is electronic music. And still to this day, is probably, like, what I listen to the most and, and what I love the most. So there's a, a lot of that feel is in my beats and everything. I try to, I do a lot of, like, chiptune electronic stuff in, in, the, in the beats I usually attack. Maybe electronic music now is, is probably, like, one of the most forward-thinking genres of music that exists in hip-hop. It's odd because I think that you can take a hip hop song from 10 years ago, play it today, and it's still about the same message. Um, and nerdcore is kind of cool because it, it encapsulates technology and stuff in a very interesting way. So because of that, I think it stays a little fresher than you know most things. Totally feeling what you're saying there. The um, your, your chip tunes there. I, I've got to say, I've got to admit, uh, I never played the game Chrono Trigger until I heard your album Chrono Nerga and heard uh, uh, what's his name Chadley on the uh, Nerdcore Meow podcast mentioned that game so many times and I went back and played the game and some of the music started coming up that you were using in your songs I was like holy crap these are almost as good as his record so that was really cool for me and and electronic music I think has always been at the forefront I just think it took a dive in the 80s when some of the synths got too easy some of the synths that didn't sound so good got too easy to use but i just heard a thing today apparently there's a there's a a short documentary out there about the guys who made the doctor who theme song from like the one that they started using in the late 60s with the the theremin sound and thing and that was all like cut and paste like literally cut and pasted tape and the little bit that you hear that it's fantastic if you ever get a chance to check that out if you haven't that's that's 
I mean, it's it's so eerie and creepy and awe-inspiring at the same time. It's it's fantastic, and electronic music can do that. Definitely, definitely. So I'm I'm definitely feeling what you're doing, and um, and I'll just take a <laughs> pull the, uh, the the curtain back for a second here. I'm trying my best not to talk over you because we're using Skype recorder here, and when I talk, it cuts you out completely from the recording. So don't don't think that I'm not involved. I'm just waiting for a break. So sorry for that. No, not at all. That's that's perfectly fine. So, all right. So now you, when you started getting into rap, you were rapping about hacking. Uh, so what kind of what kind of hacking were you doing? What what um like what year did that start up for you? I guess what era and like what what was the system you were using and what kind of hacking were you doing? I guess the the music is more like a life imitates art, imitates life, imitates art type of uh, the wheel. There, I was big into the local BBS scene, which was it was funny because. There was a, a lot of boards kind of in the in the Springs area, and everybody kind of had their little clicks. Like, I Kosis opt two boards, but then there was this other board, Vertigo. I, was, I did Dominion and Vampires Anonymous, and Vampires Anonymous had this huge, like, Vampire the Masquerade role-playing thing. But, you know, we all had, like, Trade Wars was a huge game and Legend of the Red Dragon. But there were these gigantic, like, weird clicks, I guess, in the BBS scene, just locally, even just among the people that would meet at Denny's three in the morning uh and from that you know there was all this kind of rivalry board hacking where you know you'd set up tone loads to war dial someone's nodes that way they couldn't no one could call in and so i mean there were just just kids stuff like that i remember my my dad got a slip account through work and then so finally trumpet windsock i was on the internet and you know learning about and the, the web was a baby i mean we used mosaic ncsa mosaic was the the browser at the time and i mean the standard was really low there's muds you know that were kind of like doors uh, off telnet and, and everything so i was kind of there from the beginning this technology and then when i got into the hacking stuff i mean uh, back then i mean it's still the same today there's always just odd vulnerabilities different types of them but more i was into that hip-hop culture uh due to my you know white kid identity crisis or whatever and so it was kind of this same sort of thing like i'd go in there and i'd you know deface web pages uh you know replace the index pages of government web servers or company web servers and you know whether it's through backdoors or if we had um you know i remember i I had the local library rooted and they're running some system five uh, that you could get in through bbs and then you could use that actually to get on the internet i don't know there's all kinds of weird stuff i guess but then it was more just taking that you know, musically than if you were to take out like drug dealing and shooting people and replace it with, you know, hacking computers and cracking passwords. You have the same, same type of thing. Right on. So a lot of what you're doing, a lot of what you were doing, excuse me, uh, at the time, it sounds like uh, more of a graffiti type thing and, and um, just trying to get some attention more than like an outright destructive or uh, exploitative thing. Is, is that about right? Yeah, there was, I mean, part of the, like, what it became was this kind of weird hacktivist. I mean, before hacktivist, that, that title even existed. Like, when I started doing things against the government, uh, you know, and defacing their sites, I, I was responsible. I mean, again, I guess, I don't know if statute of limitations has passed on this so much, but... Don't don't talk about anything that you, you can't talk about. I'm not trying to drag anything out of you. No, not, not like that. I mean, this there was times I would warn administrators, and I would be like, hey, your, your shit's 
not secure. And then I would, but I'd get no response. And so then I'd own them. And then all, all of a sudden, well, then, you know, people run around like chickens with their head cut off, uh, fixing things. And, you know, some of it just, I said, it became kind of a, this weird uh, cat and mouse game in a sense. Uh, it was huge. The America Online hacking scene, which now in retrospect, it's very odd because AOL has become this kind of odd fraternity, like guys that were on it. Most of us are successful business guys and everybody has a story about a punter or something. Um, but I mean, we had like root access on, you know, internal AOL servers and, you know, we were able to pull credit cards and account information. And oh, I mean, shit. Yeah, oh, there's plenty of articles on the internet. If you look them up, just Whitey Cracker AOL, like we had access to the consumer resource information system. This is a thing called Chris and, and Merlin. And, and I mean, as many people that were on AOL, you could literally type in anyone's phone number or address or name and you were able to pull all their information. So you could shut up a lot of people quick, you know, when you're, you know, if you got somebody's phone number, you could pull up all their account information and stuff. Cause most everybody had a grandma or a dad or somebody like that on AOL. I mean, I still have the screen name Bryce. Like no no numbers, just Bryce. And I have and YTC is suspended, but I still have YXC. And I used to have the screen name YT, which, and I had uh, the screen name W. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of my rhymes and stuff like that earlier that were about the America Online like spamming and hacking scene and stuff. Uh, I forgot even what I was what I was talking about. But in, in any case, the whole uh, this whole you know warning early warning system that I had it became this this thing that hey there's a this is a, a kid, a 16, 17 year old, 15, 16, 17 year old kid that's like outsmarting, you know, a multi billion dollar government operation or a co corporate operation. And it shouldn't be that easy. Like there's, if people are not doing their jobs, obviously. And so it became this sort of a statement to me, like, you know, Hey, if I can do it, you know, in my free time, you know, after cutting class or whatever, then, I mean, surely a foreign national could do this and, you know, with much worse plans, you know. And now I think that's more important than it was, you know, 13 years ago or whatever. Yeah, you wrote an article on your blog. I don't, I'm not sure how long ago you wrote it, but I read it maybe last week or the week before about how America is treating its hackers and how they're criminalized. For learning stuff but other countries are assimilating their hackers and so we're you know our government our, our country's way behind on its technological skills and that happened i read that article like a day or two before the whole aaron um aaron schwartz aaron schwartz thank you my, my brain turned off there before the whole aaron schwartz fiasco i'm gonna call it happened and uh I mean, for me reading it, it couldn't have been more timely. But that, I mean, you know, people listening should should check out whiteycracker.com. Whiteycracker.com. People listening should check out whiteycracker.com. And I, I think it's still at the bottom of the front page. And just scroll down and and check out a couple of those articles because the, the articles you're writing are fantastic. So at the time you were you know doing the defacing and, and letting people know and, and kind of doing what white hat hackers do nowadays is letting people know about vulnerabilities. You know, it, it seems like now there's a thing where people put like a time limit on it where they'll they'll release it if they're not uh if it isn't patched or or they'll put a bounty on it if they're not paid for it but you were kind of pioneering that idea and the government as i understand it didn't like that and they they figured you out at some point right i was never too uh secretive about what i was doing and that's the thing in my police report i mean it's 
thick. It's it's like a like a Tolstoy novel. I mean, I went by Whitey Cracker said personally and professionally, I guess as it were. Like people knew me as because I was doing, I was in the band and I did all this like I was doing electronic music and the hip hop stuff and everything that I did. I mean, tied to, and even the police officer, you know, post Columbine, uh, I was just I was in high school, like right when that happened, and that happened right up the road, and and so we started having. You know, police presence at our schools a little bit it was that became sort of a mandatory thing and even the cop knew who I was uh you know when they asked him about me and stuff so I wasn't ever very like secretive about it but uh, you know the the thing is is now you know in this post 9-11 terror stricken world I mean I can't imagine because I mean I got off relatively easy I mean it was just basically a dollar amount attached to my my crimes I mean nowadays that that type of like you cannot make the government look foolish these days because it's it basically it's just spitting in their face and so you know now I'm sure there'd be a little heftier penalty attached to the types of things that I was doing so I mean it's it's the good old days uh in some ways because it was after you know computer fraud abuse 86 you know when people didn't know what to do with the criminals like they had a vague idea what to do then but it wasn't like every guy with a computer and bad intentions as a terrorist type of thing yeah right on what did they charge you oh, okay well first of all i gotta know do you have like photograph or not photograph like screen caps do you have screen captures of, of any of this stuff that you did because it's got to be funny right uh let me see if I... There used to be this government training video. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I uploaded it on YouTube. Here, I'll send it to you real quick. There. But this was actually on a government site, and it took, like, pieces of my um, the local news, jumped on it. And I was in the paper for a little while after this. Uh, I got really lucky because the reason I, I, I basically got charged under state statutes of computer crime, which is, like, this vague bullshit throwaway thing. And the reason that happened was because I had hacked uh, the local PD. The Colorado Springs website was right on the intranet of the where the CSPD was, and and uh, I had done acts of uh, <laughs> just like I was about to change school records and stuff. I had I had everything. I had my hooks in a lot of stuff at that time, just because it became like uh, I don't know obsessive. Like you just want to collect all the Pokemon. Yeah, I, I understand that. At this time, again, like, you know, when you're 17 and my hormones are raging, but I, I didn't have a female to pick uh, uh, out on. The Internet was my mistress. And so uh, basically I was able to get charged locally and not under federal statutes and guidelines. I, I didn't face federal court as a result of it because they agreed to drop the jurisdiction to the local level. You know, so all the cases got bundled up and thrown into a local circuit court and I got probation and uh, like it was like 200 grand in restitution or mm-hmm. I, it wound up being huge. I might like I think it started out as like 120 or something, but then interest and all this. But I paid that off years ago and I finally got done with. So that was the extent of it. I didn't I didn't serve any time. They didn't say uh, you can't use the Internet because they knew that they couldn't get money the money that they wanted for restitution out of me if I couldn't use a computer. So again, like I said, I was in this period of time where computer criminals weren't completely vilified because people understood that, oh, this is the difference between a guy that hacks banks and a guy that, you know, is just defacing websites or whatever. Yeah, first of all, wow, they really didn't know what to do with, you know, computer hackers at the time because there's there's so many better options. I mean, you either 
send a guy for prison if he's a real bad guy or you hire the guy if he's not a real bad guy. But also, wow, that's a shit ton of money, dude, to pull all that together. That's incredible. Okay, so you were convicted, whether you pled guilty or they find you guilty, whatever. Was that a, is that considered a misdemeanor or a felony? And, and did they charge you as a minor so that you got a clean record now? I mean, how's that affecting you now? Well, it was a felony, uh, but I, I was 17 at the time of my conviction or, my, or the offense or whatever, so I was adjudicated. But then I went up picking up a, a handgun charge later. Oh, balls. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, it had, a, like, a ripple effect in my life in the sense that what, what happened, um, the whole hire or uh, uh, fire thing type or hire lock them up type of thing, I, I remember asking them about that, you know, when – it had happened and their reasoning was that and it made sense actually like that a john q taxpayer like a regular person that would be the uh, pays taxes and, and goes to work nine to five you know it's hard to justify like letting a criminal work for them it's like that most people you could you could not justify to a taxpayer and say like well we took this criminal who was doing bad things and now we gave him a job I can understand that argument on its surface, but I wouldn't buy it now and I wouldn't buy it then because that assumes that the government doesn't know how to do anything on the DL, and I don't buy that shit for a minute. To a degree, like I get that, you know, 110 percent. There is uh, many ways, I think, to, to, to skate it and enough black ops ways, and there's even ways to do it out in, in the open. I, and, and I think it was, that's where the public perception was different at, at that time. Just like uh, the catch me if you can thing, like you, if you take a guy that, you know, is forging checks, you know, left or right, I mean, what better person to catch a criminal than a criminal type of thing? And, you know, forensically, I mean, it takes a criminal mind to do criminal things. And that's where I think the game has always been fun is that there's always this type of give and take where, I mean, tomorrow – if somebody asked me, I mean, I could end spam on the internet. I can end, there's a lot of things that I know just intrinsically how to do and, and no one has really gotten right yet because of the fact that the people that are in charge are not thinking about how to beat it. And and I think is odd the other day, Kimball from uh, Kim, the dot-com mega upload guy, he had this like three-step plan to eliminate piracy and he's like make it easy to get make it available on any device and make it available in all regions at the same time and you're not going to have piracy issues yeah that's that's a well-known fact we've known we who consume media via the internet have known that for 10 or 12 years now and and that's what's so weird is there's a rift in between like i always forget until i talk to i mean not to be condescending and it's like when i when i talk to like normal quote unquote people or like the average computer user or something it's it's so insane to realize how much they don't understand about like a computer or like what works and and these executives like when I worked desk side support, you know, for a while, like you run into these people that are, you know, paid their six figure jobs, six figure incomes, relatively intelligent in their field, but but they're running their Windows computer as admin, and they don't understand how a spreadsheet file can disappear. They don't know how to open this email. I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous like amount of. Just retardation is the best way I could describe it is that with with this technology available everywhere, there's some people just like they don't want to learn it. And so as a result of that, you kind of see this that there's a lot of things that I think we take for granted as, as people that are savvy in the computer industry that other people just do not 
I mean, they don't understand the concepts behind it. And it's, it's way easier for me to open up Netflix and stream movies. Like, I, I love that. Like, I, if I don't have to pirate it and I just pay, you know, $10, $15, $20 a month to have access to the things I want to access to, like, I have no problem with that. I mean, that's that's easier than me having to go even open up my torrent client and open a VPN and find the, you know, right torrent that it has a lot of cedars and a skull by it. So I know it's a real guy and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. It's easier to pay two bucks than to spend two bucks worth of your time to to find a thing and pirate it. I agree 100% with that. Opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so once you got done with that, with the uh, the legal stuff, turning 18 years old now, and you got to did, – did you move out your parents' house right away and, and start working? Did you hang around for a while? I mean, what, what did those years look like? I started a penetration testing company with my buddy Edward. He was actually in Global Hell, which is a hacker group, uh, with me. I did contract database design for an escort service and a limo service. I mean, and again, like I'm just 18, fresh faced, and I'm already traveling. And you know, people saw this uh, my resume as a as a bonus you know like oh that's really interesting that this guy you know hacks computers and you know knows what he's doing and all this stuff so i worked at gateway uh i was tech support there i i did that side support for for ford credit ford financial which is a car company uh i, I was a database developer for mci so i mean i had this crazy resume i mean this was all by the time i was 22 23 or something so i had a really good experience you know over i mean i dropped out of high school so basically, it kind of did carry me. Everybody saw it more as a positive than as a negative. And it wasn't, you know, I passed background checks because it wasn't, you know, again, it was as a juvenile. So uh, definitely a, a bonus. Right on, right on. And you kept doing that, uh, what, probably till you went into business for yourself? When I was 18, I, I incorporated or organized my LLC. And I used to do, the, I was DJing electronic music. And I did club promotion or rave promotion and stuff. That's what Digital Gangster first started out as. And then it kind of blossomed in the, the consulting stuff. But I basically, you know, went and got the nine to five thing because I had a, a daughter. And so I, I wanted to make sure that things were kind of, eyes were dotted and T's were crossed there. But I just got stiffed over and over in the corporate world. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. I eventually I was just like, well, you know, I think if I trust my own instincts, I just do business for myself. I'll do I'll do OK. And it's I mean, it's panned out. I, I can't I don't really have any complaints other than, you know, sometimes I work odd hours and sometimes I'm completely swamped and sometimes I have absolutely nothing going on. But at the same time, you know, when you're in charge of your destiny, it kind of has a different effect on, you know, when the harder you work, the better you do. Uh, that has a real good impact, I think, on your psyche. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've never uh, never worked for myself, but uh, it's intriguing, but it's a big scary jump to make for sure. So some of your earlier albums, like Spam Tech, I know it's the name of the album, but is Spam Tech for real? Is that Did you ever do spamming and that kind of thing? Have you earned a living on that, or, or is that something you can't quite talk about? I'd say spamming, oh, that's, that's no secret. I mean, spamming is like the... Is the genesis. It's actually what screwed up money for me uh, in a sense because there is, I mean, this was in high school too. Like when most kids were getting summer jobs, I mean, I bought all my own clothes. I had, that's, I did move out of the house when I was 17 because I mean, I, I had, and everything that I'd done, you know, in the, that marketing field, that's why I was doing the adult internet conventions and stuff so young as well because I was, um, 
really entrenched in in that business. And Spam Tech was this group of it was me and this other kid, Flo Taylor. Then this guy Egod, uh, he was like a fan, but then he wound up joining. And then it was like this triumvirate. And then I had a buddy. Ryan, who kind of came in later as a as the consigliere, and you know, to this day we've maintained our f- relative friendships, <laughs> with the exception of <laughs> uh, one member. But uh, the, the uh, yeah, to this day we're still like fairly tight, and we still do a lot of uh, of stuff together. What's the backstory with the lobster bisque? I don't get that joke. Oh, uh, backstory that there was this uh, <laughs> there's this guy version. Um, Evan Gates, who he's actually, he's working somewhere. He's doing something, but uh, he he was a a programmer for one of our entities. And uh, I met him off my board, Digital Gangster, and he was local to me in Colorado. Uh, He's going to school in Boulder, but he was working for us. And we think he gave him $5 to drink a bowl of of lobster bisque. And it was just like one of those things like that song, um, Kingdom Trial, is like basically about like testing, you know, your loyalty as a (laughs) as a human being, you know, if you're going to be down with the uh, with the (laughs) the cause or not. And lobster bisque is not the coolest thing to drink. It would make me vomit. But yeah, for $5, he, he did it and he did a bang up job. All right, right on. I'm I'm a fan of lobster bisque, so I <laughs> I probably would have done that too. So I guess does that bring us up to nowadays, or is there is there more backstory there? No, I mean just life happens. I mean there's just been there's been a lot of you know weird ups and downs and things here and there. I mean I was married, divorced, daughter born, you know all that stuff, and some of it you can see the music like how it evolved. There's this period like in the spam tech, in the second spam tech album. There's a lot of these like kind of emo-y songs and, and that period, uh, you know, when I was going through my breakup and, and everything. Uh, but yeah, again, I it's it's odd because, you know, most times you have like, if you listen to a song on the radio or you hear a song, like I said about, you know, the roller, roller, roller rink, like when you hear you know, an MC Hammer track or something like that, you're like, oh yeah, the, the roller rink. Like, it's cool to have my own music like that kind of snapshotted pieces of my life like where if i hear a song i remember kind of you know what i was going through or what taylor was going through or you know what was what was going on at that time or when i made it or how we made it or where we were when we made it so that sort of a a look is really i think interesting uh because it sort of has this ability to um you know bring me back to a time and a place not here it's like time traveling it's insane yeah i can i can absolutely get down with that i i um when i went through my divorce i i might not have survived it survived it if it weren't for soulful music like i got into blues um i got i got into like like old school blues you know buddy guy and and um you know bb king and, and bobby bland and that kind of thing and uh, and then there's some some newer stuff that's real soulful. But if I, if there if there weren't that lifeline, I know what you mean. I don't know if I would have survived it. But yeah, music you you can definitely trace your state of mind through your your playlist at any given point. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's amazing like that. Music is it's, well, it's kind of a platitude, but I guess music music is life. Right. <laughs> Cliche or whatever. Well, it's I don't know if. if I mean, sure, if you're making it, it, it must be. But I mean, as a listener, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it life. But it's definitely like the frame around the picture. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's, it's just, it's a way to to see it with some sort of perspective, 
as opposed to only being in the center of the the orb of uh you know happenstance you know it, it lets you step back and, and have a look for a minute anyway oh definitely it's uh it's like kind of just the, the th- like a thread i guess a thing um and it's it's inescapable i think even just in the culture it's always been that way though the whereas i mean maybe it's, yeah somebody that makes it like i have a different like appreciation for it but it like it's not like a more appreciation it's just a different appreciation i guess is is what it comes down to that i think as a listener people have a certain appreciation for something but then it's like when you break it down it's like a whole different type of uh, appreciation for uh, music so now did you just release an you just released an album right this one that we just talked about you had uh, it was on itunes uh no 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 I just released uh, I did on Bandcamp which is uh it's this the concept of it is great it's this like pay what you want like or you can charge for it but it's it's that whole kim.com thing we were talking about earlier where you just say how much you want to pay for the album if you want to pay zero dollars pay zero dollars and you can get it for free and it's on uh, Bandcamp if you go to whiteycracker.bandcamp.com and it's based off of Earthbound which is another SNES RPG. It was called Mother in uh, in Japan and and I think Europe too. But uh, that yeah, that's it's just a it's the type of same type of thing as Chrononerga except it's Earthbound music. Nice. Should I go back and play the game before listening to the album, or should I listen to the album before playing the game? It doesn't really matter. If you if you play the game, like all of the names of the songs uh, have to do with the uh, it's, it's same thing with Chrononerga. It's this. Um, it's the the titles of the soundtrack, like the actual songs and the subjects are the, it's the same in the soundtrack as it is in, in my song. So if you play the game, you have a different appreciation for it. But unlike Chrononerga, the songs don't have as much to do with the game as, as they did. Have you played uh, Andor's Trail yet? It's a it's a, a free software game they got on Android. I'd love to hear an album about that game. It's, it's pretty friggin' awesome. Not yet. In fact, I don't even, like... I'm thinking about getting the Note 2. Everybody did. Um, I'm still iPhone, but all everybody in my immediate circle went to the Note 2. It's like a phablet, like a phone tablet type of thing. So I'm probably going to wind up switching here soon. I My girl's got a Galaxy. Is it a Galaxy S? What do you have? Oh, I used to have that. I'm with T-Mobile. It's just the, like, my touch, I think. My, oh, my touch, yeah. So I, I'm, my experience with Android, like, I, I always had this feeling, every time I've used a phone, an Android phone, it's always seemed like it hadn't grown up yet. But finally, after, like, thumbing through with that, that Note 2, um, it looks like it's, uh, it's, it looks like it's a, a real boy now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm way behind the time on gadgets and stuff. I, I'm still using, it might even be a my touch. It's the HTC Magic, but it's, I mean, it's years old, but it's running, uh, it's running CyanogenMod, mod, so it isn't so terrible. But you know, I've been playing that game Andor's Trail on that, and it's a, it's that kind of adventure, uh, not adventure. What do you call? Uh, like the, the turn-based, uh, same kind of game as 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 Chrono Trigger and uh, Earthbound. What the hell is it called again? Role-playing game. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why my brain switches off every time I try to talk about something I'm doing. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, anyway, that, that's that's all that is. Um, so in and what are you doing? Now, as far as business goes, because uh, you said you rap about life, so someone listening to this show wants to hire you for some of their internet stuff. How do we how do we get on your next album as as a customer of, of what you're doing in life now? I don't like it's kind of like Godfather, um, how uh, Tom Hagen, you know, represents the interest of one client. Uh, it's generally how it goes. Like 
I have partnership stakes in the things that I do, uh, but more or less, yeah, I'm a combination of, of Tom Hagen and, and Winston Wolf from um, from Pulp Fiction. I just I solve a lot of odd problems, but actually right now it's all I have more things to do than I do time, and, and so that's always bad like in fact i procrastinated everything i needed to do today because i'm a terrible person and your interview was the reason that i was like i gotta do something today that's substantive so uh thank you for helping me um in, in do actually do something productive today because otherwise i would have just lazily stayed undressed and and <laughs> eaten barbecue chips all day Oh, geez, are you kidding me? Thank you for the interview. I mean, you're you're giving up your time for Hacker Public Radio, which is, you know, one of my passions. So, I mean, from from my perspective, you're the one doing me the favor, for sure. And 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 all of HPR. I think this interview is going to go over pretty well with our listeners. Is there anything you want people to know about that you're doing or or any uh any causes that you're interested in that you want people to hear about and consider? I'm currently like I'm big on the the Bradley Manning and uh, and Jeremy Hammond issues. Basically, uh, Bradley Manning he's the one that's up for uh, the WikiLeaks like declassified documents or classified documents release and and he's saying. Hold on a second, I I just unmuted by accident, cut you off. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Bradley Manning was the um the the enlisted guy who released the documents to WikiLeaks. Correct, correct. And then uh, Jeremy Hammond was uh, a member of the Lulzsec clique that I am, was loosely the the bard of the, I guess that that is how I look at myself. I'm like a bard. Like I just, I'd say what the internet, the, it's like some Shakespearean, um, I, I'd put a soundtrack to, to the things that are going on. But uh, Jeremy, he did, he had that whole strap for, um, release and that they did that kind of hacktivist thing with the credit cards and you know of these members and it's coming out now that the judge in his case is married to one of the victims of the uh of the whole strap for hack and stuff and and oh knows yeah oh knows and so there's this but part of it goes back to that whole thing i was saying about the the, the treatment is disproportional to like the crime there's child molesters and uh, you know, real scumbags, like real, like people that are trafficking in, in child pornography or, or, or rapists or murderers. And for them to be facing, oh, and, and Barrett Brown is another guy that he just got sentenced for the third time, indicted for a third series of, of stuff. He's looking at a hundred years or something. There's this real runaway train. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred years for that shit. And how long, how long did the guy who tried to shoot uh, Reagan, how long did he spend behind bars? I wonder. Was that Sirhan? Sirhan? I've... Yeah, I think it was, and it was like eighteen or or nineteen years or something. So I mean, that's like th there is something in in a system that's supposed to be lawful, like you know, and and fair to to some degree. I mean, it's very stupid, like that a kid. You know, Aaron Schwartz would like kill himself. I mean, granted, there's things about you know his depression and stuff. Well, I feel that. Like I I know where that that comes from. But you know he you know to kill himself because he's facing this many years over releasing you know some academic documents. And and I think people have this you know well it isn't me type of attitude uh, towards a lot of this, and they don't understand that it's it's hard I think for any person to look and see like how this is kind of a miscarriage of of what is justice, like, you know, that you can have violent criminals or, you know, exploitative, like, real 
pieces of shit. And and then uh, the fact that they walk free after five years and, you know, time served, good time. And then you have these guys who sat on a computer and embarrassed people. Because, again, it's not like what Manning did was this gigantic uh, it, was, it was an embarrassment. It wasn't like a gigantic security breach that where the secrets of, you know, n- nuclear secrets of the United States were uh, admonished. There's a total just it's like a imbalance in, in, in how we punish these crimes, how we prosecute them and what we do with these these people. And, and I so I'm definitely like involved in, I guess, trumpeting the causes of like, hey, yes, they did bad things, but, you know, everybody jaywalks come on like we need we need some type of you know balance some order in this uh in this stupid world. yeah well and and in a system that's allegedly made of justice let's have a little bit of justice yeah absolutely there's a, a whole i mean where the punishment fits the crime type of thing and that's the thing i think if you pulled you know the regular people on the street this is this is something that they can understand like okay like you know i mean how many People in, you know, in an immediate family, like I, I would say, like, or extended, if I extended my cousin or something like that, like everybody has, knows that somebody that's been burglarized, everybody knows somebody that's been raped, everybody knows somebody that's, <coughs> you know, be it a friend, be it a cousin, be it a, you know, uncle, or you know, whatever, like, there's always somebody, I mean, you can touch, it's like cancer, like, there's some type of palpable, you know, understanding that, but, you know, how many people can say, like, well, you know, I, I've been hacked. Like and it ruined my life, or I I have PTSD because my AOL account was stolen or something. Like there's there's a serious like if you break it down for people and then you make them understand that like look there's a difference between like a bunch of rich people getting embarrassed and raping a child and the guy that rapes the child gets out way earlier. There's something wrong with uh, with that model. So that's one of the things that like I think I'm biggest on is just trying to get that reconciliation of the hey yeah they're they did bad and maybe they should have some type of punishment but you know the types of punishment that that we're levying as a society is is completely wrong yeah yeah it's it's ridiculous it's 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 so far beyond unproportional um it is just ridiculous so so you how do i want to phrase this question you accept the story that that uh aaron schwartz killed himself then uh well i'm not I said to, what because I'm I'm like a degree of separation away from him and um uh if this is real talk radio like I I mean I'm bipolar and so I mean and I, I've I, I try to commit suicide but, you know I'm not I'm not like the the clean person you know I'm and I'm not on medication uh so I mean I have I used to be, but not anymore. So I like I have own issues and I struggle with it. I think everybody that's on a, a computer is as much as me or, you know, laterally. Somebody's everybody's got mental problems. You either got Asperger's or OCD or ADHD or bipolar disorder or some some kind of mental given a name. Um, and everybody that kind of is that degree of separation away from him, you know, said that he wasn't uh, that he had suffered from you know mental depression or uh or clinical depression and so so it it wouldn't and and i guess this this the the looming sentence was weighing heavily on him um jail doesn't scare me as much because it, it's a time for me to sit and read and, and play chess with myself and not have anybody bother me so uh if they want to send me to jail i'm i'm more than happy uh, to take the vacation um but uh <laughs> 
<laughs> then you know somebody so I, I do i don't think there's any kind of weird conspiracy uh at, at work um in in that and again the people that i said that know him that are a degree of separation like don't it's not some kind of out of character just as much i'm sure that if i turned up dead uh in even if it was foul play people that know me know me would be like nah he probably he probably shot at himself or something so <laughs> it's it's actually comforting to hear I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that you 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 know that you buy the story because i you know i've heard i've heard a couple of people online you know or read you know where people say that they don't buy it but it's it's comforting to hear that the story fits um so uh i don't know you mentioned bradley manning i don't know if you heard uh there was a a, a minor ruling in the case the other day um did you hear about that one uh the i'm a follow um a non-news, uh, and he uh, he got the they they ruled that he was treated badly. Uh, that thing that that. No, the one that I heard was the judge said that the if I'm gonna, if I'm getting this right, and I could get this screwed up because it was a couple days ago that I heard it, but the judge said that the the government cannot charge him with treason unless they can prove that what he did intentionally was intended to harm the country. So they're saying that, that um, you know, that this, as the story goes right now, he actually combed through that material and intentionally did not release like logistical stuff and, and situational stuff that he was, he stuck with the political stuff. So it, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to charge him with treason. That's good. Just, just diet treason. Is what they're looking. <laughs> yeah, right. Treason light. Treason light. Uh, yeah, and that, that's where I said there's a the huge, you know, just like computer crime is such a like a it's two words that can mean anything like really like so there's a whole just spectrum, you know, just like there's with murder you have manslaughter you have vehicular manslaughter you have degrees of murder premeditated not premeditated crime of passion like those same types of i guess that spectrum needs to be uh in you know a lot of what these corporate guys you know do like on this huge scale where they're bilking people out of money in these ponzi schemes and 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 the, the wall street culture like there has to be like this intent based dissemination of of what it is. If it's a kid having fun, you know, even if he is like hacking, you know, government agencies or whatever, if it's not for the purposes of, you know, complete and utter destruction of the infrastructure of the United States, then you need to treat it that way. You can't treat it the same as if somebody, you know, did something, you know, ridiculous. So there's a, I, I hope that every, you know, again, there's so much in the powers of the courts that like it can be a judge's interpretation. And then, you know, when you leave it to 12 people, to decide in a jury or whatever there's so many things that can go wrong in a sense where these things need to line up properly uh and you can have a good judge you know that gives you you know no time at all and, and understands the case and or there's some that are just very old-fashioned and they you know they know what it's like to have a computer but that other than that they don't they can't they can't rule on a case like like this properly yeah definitely so what do you think we need to do about it? I mean, it's not like it's not like our legislators understand any of this and and can write better laws. I mean, they're the people they're in the pockets of, you know, they they're the ones that wrote 
you know, SOPA and PIPA and ACTA and all this, you know, these other laws that are overreaching and, and repressive and, you know, anti-freedom as well. I mean, what, what, what's the next step then? Um, well, oddly enough, like, I, not, not to put you on the spot. Oh, like, but like to tie this back, like into the, my, like my music, like there's a lot of nerdcore that exists. That's kind of this secret handshake. That's like a four nerds, by nerds type of, uh, type of music. And, and what, one of the goals that I've always had in my music is to like, I, I rap in a way that's palatable uh, to like your average hip hop listener or whatever. Like it's a lot of people that give me great feedback. Like that's your flow sounds amazing. Your beats sound amazing. So, and it's the same way that I was, you know, taken in by this gangster rap culture and I listened to it and I just, just detected the rawness and, and, and I had the picture of the streets in my head, that same type of, I would love for that same type of thing to happen you know, across, like, it reciprocated back, like, where, you know, I have kids from the street that are listening to the types of things that I'm saying, and they're learning, like, the lingo of the computers rather than, you know, the lingo of drugs, like, they're learning about, you know, the types of things that I'm saying, and throw, by extension, like, awareness, like, the computer is not a device to be feared, it's a device that we embrace, it's a device that every one of us uses, like, it's not just nerds on computers anymore. Now everybody's got Facebook. Everybody has a smartphone. Everybody has these these uh, te technological devices. And so the more that I think people are educated, um, you know, even if from elementary school, like if you taught people like good password, uh, best practices for passwords and, 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 you know, protection of online identity, like if those types of educational initiatives were in place, then I think the the country would have the same way we were enamored with reality TV and, and politics and, and you know, American Idol and stuff. If we could instill that same type of simplistic wonder in what a computer is, then I think a lot more people would understand the concepts that like, you know, the, this, these kids, you know, if you can kind of draw these parallels and say, well, you know, this is the same as a kid throwing a rock through a window and this is the same as a guy you know, robbing a bank at gunpoint type of thing like that just by kind of turning the public on and those types of things i think is the best way to increase the consciousness and therefore the visibility of you know what everything really means rather than this scary machine and everyone's out to get you type of uh you know picture painted by the media currently so we need like a a reality show for nerdcore and and nerds and computer geeks and uh and and we need to popularize that a little bit. Yes. Keeping up with the K-Rad. <laughs> nice. So, all right. So when you talk about, uh, you know, how the kids on the street and whatever are, 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 or other people you're talking to listen to the same stuff, what's, um, if anybody hears this interview and goes and checks you out and, and they like what you're doing, who are some other nerdcore artists that, you would, uh, or even even regular hip hop artists, maybe that people don't know about, but you know, on on the sort of the up and comers or or on the underground scene, who are some people, some artists that you would direct people towards? I always leave people out when that's good. Like, yeah, I I, I won't ask for a complete list. You you can never do that. <laughs> I don't mean to do that. Sorry. Okay. Uh, spiritually, um, there's this group Dual Core, and that's uh this guy N80 and this dude C64, um, and they perform at DefCon, uh, and so they're actually fairly well known in in the computer security circle. And uh, 
we're, we're actually about two degrees separated from them here at Hacker Public Radio because one of our contributors uh, is a guy by the name of Dave Yates, who's a fantastic guy, and he did a podcast, um, the Lot of Linux Links, Linux User podcast. <laughs> it was a long name, sorry. And uh, and Dual Core did the intro music for him, and it was it was badass. It was great. So we're we're like two degrees separated from them. Sick. So so everybody knows about them. So not to cut you off, but yeah, we're, we're there. Yeah, and then again, those are probably like the closest, like, because then like MC Lars, who's a frequent collaborator of mine he's like a, a lit hop guy because uh, he's he's got a degree in 19th century literature from stanford and and then you know front a lot uh all the names like mega ran uh he this guy random he's actually touring very successfully uh and he does a lot of the chiptune stuff the 8-bit type of music and and uh, among others but uh he's he, him, there used to be this time where it was this, like, kind of this really small echelon of a group of us that could tour and, and be successful at it. And, and now that's kind of grown. There's, like, I'd say the bigger guys are, like, Adam Warwick. Um, Dr. Awkward is, is, is touring with Random right now. Oh, man, Dr. Awkward is, there's something about a good, awkward song that within three or four beats, you switch off the rest of the world and your headphones becomes all of it. Dick, uh, I've had the pleasure of kicking in with that guy many times. Uh, we we go in. Um, he, there's a this there's this there used to be this huge like I said skill break like all type stuff, but now, I mean everybody that I, you know, generationally like like Benjamin Bear, I just did some stuff with him, and and he's got some really witty stuff. Uh, DJ Snyder uh, slash Swagberg slash is a really prolific. Oh, that's who is? Is Snyder, he's Swagberg, he's Goldman Stacks. Is he MC Horse? Uh, MC Horse, he might, he's got a song like Pony, Pony, Pony Swag or something. Uh, maybe he is MC Horse. He's got, like, AKs is, is Cool Keith, so he's hard to keep up with. But, yeah, again, like, exhaustively, Beefy is, uh, Signed an NSR. He's kind of doing his own. He's been doing his own thing for a while now. I haven't really helped him. I'm I'm a terrible label mate. Can you say that last one again? You cut out. You said Beefy, who by the way is nerdcore hip hop. And who who did you say after Beefy? Beefy. He he was. Uh, I signed him to NSR, uh, Nerdy South Records. Uh, but he's been doing everything by himself lately. So I, I said I've been a terrible label mate. Uh, I'm not our label head or whatever. I'm not. Uh, I haven't really been developing his his career uh, as, as much as I should. I, I barely developed my own uh, for Christ's sake. So I, I don't know, but uh, there's this, again, like the, the, the cool thing about this, the scene is it's consistently, you know, kind of evolving and growing and stuff. And, and I'm generationally, there's a lot of stuff I'm sure I'm missing out on like the next big thing, uh, you know, in it. Um, and part of it is because I've always been kind of in a, in a weird spot uh, with my own music. But um, yeah, there's just so much, like crazy i don't know it's just and but again dual core is my most like my closest relative i would say as far as uh you know the music stuff goes and part of the thing that i always liked about the type of music i was doing is in hip-hop there's another huge thing that's it's called biting you know you never want to bite another guy's lyrics uh because that's it's like it's like stealing jokes as a comedian or whatever and one thing I was always confident in is if I was 
rapping about computers and hacking in the way that I do, there was nobody else that had said the things that I had said or made the rhymes or the connections that I had made. And so by extension, you know, raps acts like dual core and I like we are forging this entire like palette and body of work that if five years from now another hacker came on the scene and tried to rap about a fucking blue box like i've said everything there is to say about that so uh you know i can I'll, i can sue them for everything that they're they're worth and they're they're all i'll throw lawsuits at you but uh it's just um funny right on right on and okay so you mentioned how people love your flow and your beats um I, <laughs> i'm trying to end this but there's there's so much i want to ask you said you uh you played guitar you you play guitar in your own music too that's you on those? Yeah, I've done guitar on my own. I've, a lot of my beats, I pro, I've, I've produced a lot of my own beats too. Uh, but so, some some of the guitar is not mine. Elijah played guitar on some of my stuff. I've been playing guitar for 15 years. I was in a punk band uh, called Formula 409 in high school. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm cl- like classic rock through and through. Like Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton. Um, Steppenwolf, Three Dog Night, like just all uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, like the type of stuff that I play guitar, like and a lot of '90s. I mean, I guess part of the time period I was in. I mean, I learned all the Nirvana unplugged. I think that was like the first thing I taught myself was that whole album. And but yeah, guitar has always been. I, I love the guitar and the piano because they're like two instruments that you can take to a party and become the most important person in the room. Um, you can't take a trumpet and be like, yo, everybody check this out. And then immediately everybody's singing along. So, uh, yeah, I've always had a love for the guitar. Did you play guitar on, uh, on this far from the spam tech album? Was that you? That was, uh, what the hell was that guy's name? Johnny something. Uh, that was another producer. Um, I mean, I could play the riff uh, if I had a guitar, but no, that that wasn't that wasn't me. No. Uh, oh, all right. Sorry about that. <laughs> maybe maybe there's less of that than I think there is. I, I remember I did like these covers of song like on YouTube. You can see uh, I used to just get um, intoxicated and and, and make uh, YouTube covers of songs and stuff like that. So you could find. Whitey Cracker cover songs all, all day on, on YouTube. Right on. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to take any more of your time as, as, as awesome and as fun as this is. Um, so I'll let you, I'll ask you a question, let you think about it while I finish it up. Um, but we're a, we're a creative commons podcast. So, uh, you know, we release basically creative commons, uh, by attribution, uh, share alike. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you, if there's any of your music that's released under that uh, license, uh, can can we close it out with a song? Um, but then I'll just say, you know, if, if uh, is there a place that people can follow you so we know when you're on tour, and uh, how can we get to a show? And uh, you know, if you're ever up in the the northeast of the country, if you're ever doing Boston or, or anything close to that, definitely hit me up so we can hang out or. or you know, maybe I can show you around a little bit, or, or you know, at least go to your show and buy a T-shirt or something. I uh, I don't have like a real. I mean, it's oddly enough, it's, I, I I'm very familiar with Creative Commons and, and everything. I my some of my music, like I don't because that's 
sampled or whatever. Like, I don't even own the rights to, you know, push whatever I, I say. Uh, but, like, let this be a verbal agreement that any type of music of mine that you want to use, uh, any song that speaks to you, you have my permission uh, wholeheartedly to, to use, modify the whole nine. Um, but, uh, the yeah, the tour thing, I, I mean, my Twitter is real Whitey Cracker. Because uh, I don't have Whitey Cracker, and uh, then um, my uh, Facebook's Whitey Cracker, uh, WhiteyCracker.com is my website. But uh, I and I kick this around a lot. My again, my daughter is the most important human being on the planet to me, so uh, I try to avoid being away for extended periods of time usually when i do did do tours like it was you know while she was still in school and, and her mother had had her but you know during the summer which is like heavy festival like when i could be doing warped and everything i i usually am just kind of i may do one or two one-offs in there but most of the time i spend with my daughter so until she's you know the age where she's coming with me and back dancing or singing on on my stuff so that's pretty much how it is yeah i, I totally get that my my kids uh I get very limited time, limited time with them as well. It's uh yeah, I try to spend as much time as possible <coughs> with her cuz um I think it's important to be a father and and I mean even though things kind of happen out of order, you know, in, in in my life, like I I think that I said I'd, I'd rather have those like not have that regret like where I just totally screwed up my kid's life because I was too busy chasing um uh, <laughs> some stupid music dream than otherwise, but yeah, you'll find me. You'll find me where you find me. I mean, I announce stuff on there. Awesome, awesome. So, um, yeah. So then, now, uh, what is there? Do you have a, a song, a favorite song of yours, or a song that you you would like us to close out with, or that you, you'd like us to play here at the end? I don't have. Uh, I don't have an. I I was just even saying this. I don't. I don't play my own stuff enough uh, to know. Sometimes, like after I'm done writing a song, I don't even I record it and then I don't even listen to it again for a month and then uh, until I need to perform it live and then I need to like learn my own my own songs. <laughs> nice. All right, I'll I'll pick one and, and paste it in there. Then I'll pick one of my favorites because there's there's a bunch of them. I was I was hoping you'd help me narrow them down as all. Well. All right, but yes, that you Packers privilege. It's your your choice. Awesome. So uh, thanks so much, Whitey Cracker, the, the digital gangster, the DG, uh, Mighty Whitey, for coming on Hacker Public Radio and helping us out here. Uh, it's It's been a fantastic interview and, and a lot of fun to record. I'm hoping it's a lot of fun to listen to. And, uh, I mean, you're the man, dude. You're, you're just baller for coming on here and, and spending the time. Thanks a lot. It wasn't a complete waste of time. <laughs> Wasn't a waste of my time. I had a blast. So thank you so much. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, check out Whitey Cracker. Uh, check out his new album at whiteycracker.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can look at the show notes on hackerpublicradio.org uh, to, to get links to everything that Whitey's mentioned here. And uh, please leave a comment here or leave a comment on uh, on his webpage, his blog, whiteycracker.com. I'm sure he'll probably write a little a little blog post about this when the episode airs and uh and thanks for listening whitey thanks for being my guest and uh i hope you guys everybody have a great day thank you
late in the evening, or is it morning? Couple days out of wake and I see me yawning. James Bonin, ping it and it ain't responding. Mission accomplished, yeah, bitch, I'm pawning. Roll out the grip while you had on the crest. Spam tech like a badge on the right of my chest. Flip, flip on my sidekick, I flip my wrist. SSH to my box, page down the next. My stats look good, what about my checks? So many digits, it's a Googleplex Rotation of the earth like my spam subjects Perplex the best, the wicked get no rest Slide in my Chrysler, the blades will slice your Mesh grill on the front, just to entice your iPod in the dash, nerd life supreme Track track to the spam tech audio stream Still live my life like the perfect dream There ain't a soul that can touch me on my team nah. District attorney set out on journeys And then I lead them on like a weekend at Bernie's Feds on the same track, collecting my combos See me on aim, talking to all the blind hoses Condos, coast to coast, wireless enabled When they set the sniff, I switch the cables IPs bounce through multi-nations I keep confidential like doctors, patients It's nerd life and it's DG death Represent DG to my dying breath I'm full of DG and I ain't gonna stop So don't twist it up, make it something it's not From hangers to bandwidth, I'm still kicking And I fry your ass like a piece of chicken I'm full of DG and I ain't gonna stop So don't twist it up, make it something it's not From hangers to bandwidth, I'm still kicking And I'll fry your ass like a piece of chicken Drive to the local coffee stop Pull my laptop out and set up shop Five for the coffee, pay and swap Caught a couple Xbox to my drop It's a Merry Christmas if you figure this Both the naughty and nice are on my list And if you notice something missing, don't get pissed I pulled all your info from LexNexus Those who cross me cross with care Because I won't leave till your wall is bare You can't run from your social cause I'll be there And I'll get you next one, you don't have a prayer I swear, people baffle me who the fuck would even want to battle me? Boy, what a fucking day that'll be When their life disappears with their chattel G Don't battle me, cause we rich in numbers Every day see a couple of fresh newcomers Trying to make a name off of my demise And I always hit them up with the whitey surprise Might not happen right away, cause I lay in the weeds And I strike like a snake whenever I please And such is the life of most DGs You don't see it coming till you're on your knees Begging and pleading, please stop beefing You don't understand, we get mad and even But it ain't even fair, cause we leave them breathing Dealing with a shitstorm of digital treason Squeaming, screaming, so now reaping End up as a blip on my sidekick beeping Every time they try to weasel out of my trap I pull them right back, put their head in my lap Little stressful, but I got enough cigs And I got enough proxies to shake the pigs Carton after carton of these 72s And I'm still pulling hits out my underoos I still bruise Pack up the DOS server, sit back and act like a calm observer. Call the shots from miles away. Sitting in the Starbucks at the break of day. I don't play, so act like you think you know. Cause I'm a fucking DG, you're a fucking bitch, bro. Yeah. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. 
From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license. They're always so weird, like these types of things. I I don't know. They always they're they're hilarious to me. <laughs> and I don't like again things and things with me it changed so fast, which is so funny because like in eight weeks I could be on tour. Like who knows? Like it's it's, it's that odd. So I'll make sure to keep you posted if there's anything anything weird that goes on over here. Yeah, right on. I I should be able to you know adjust show notes and stuff at the last minute if if that's needed. I'm I'm not. Uh, you know, like I said, a- anybody at all can can submit a show to Hacker Public Radio, anybody who wants to. It just has to be, you know, of interest to hackers is, is what we put in quotes there. And we've had shows on everything from, like, NMAP and how NMAP works and, and getting into that to, to how I got into Linux to one dude did a show on raising chickens in his backyard. You know, I, I did a show on, on nuts and bolts and how to repair those if you bung them up when you're making you know, whatever you're doing and that kind of shit. So it's just, I mean, we do, we do everything. And this, I think today I saw an email go out where, um, our, our admin congratulated a new host on being our 298th, something like that. New host, almost 300 individuals. That's insane. That's awesome. Yeah. And we like last year, the middle of last year, we had episode, 1000 and 1024 so those were big shows for us that's insane like there it's actually like a really cool model though because then you could just have i don't know i'm looking at the website now like you may know the guys who started it out i mean because they were they're you know we came from like our lineage i guess so to speak was like radio freak america bread um uh shit now I lost it. Uh, I'll get it in a second. Um, shit. It, uh, Stank Dog's show. Do you know Stank Dog? Mm-mm. Doesn't sound. Okay. Where would I know? Okay. Uh, he, he was a podcaster. He he. I guess he he guested on one of the Radio Freak America shows, which I mean was this is before RSS even when when RFA was out. Um, and then he did. Uh, fuck. What was it? Uh, uh, did oh shit. Binrev, Binary Revolution. He was he was the host of Binary Revolution, and then Binrev read uh, Twat Radio, which is today with a techie. That yeah, that's where Stank Dog came from. Yeah, he did he did Binary Revolution Radio. Yep, he did Binrev, and then he did Twat Radio, and then he did HPR when he, when he got done with that. So HPR came from him and Droops, a guy named Droops, and and Droops did the coding behind the site, and Stank Dog set up the. Uh, the financials behind the server and then they they didn't walk away i mean they're still there but they don't participate anymore they just kind of they're there you know and everybody else comes in and does it and we've like i said we're we're probably i'm sure we're over what 11 we got to be over 1100 shows by now yeah 1169 was today's show so i mean that's that's a lot of shows no definitely that's insanity yeah and then we did uh last year and this year we did um New Year's Eve shows. So last year was a 12-hour show. We decided we'd do 12 hours to give anybody from anywhere plenty of time to call in and be a part of it. We wanted it to be a round table where everybody was welcome. And that was such a success that we went 24 hours this year, and it still wasn't long enough. Crazy. That's awesome, though. Like, 
people from all around the world, I'm sure, too. Which like, oh yeah, you have like a, a twenty four hours of science going on. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, and we get into everything: science, politics, food, computers. We're we're a real like heavily Linux oriented community, I would say, and not intentionally. That's just that's the kind of people that have you know grouped around it. That's so crazy. Like that's awesome though. I I never because I've done quite a few like podcasts and stuff. I used to be like I used to have a shoutcast radio station that was like fairly popular. I was called the Whitey Cracker Shower of Power, and I used to just, uh, it's like back when there was this, there was a hacker TV called Parse. This was like when streaming like real real media was like streaming and stuff like that. There was and it was so ambitious at the time because this is like before broadband was super. It's like six K streaming type of stuff. And uh, it was really like it's it's insane because just kind of like how you had that whole break in hip hop, like with the misogyny, like and then you just decided to take a take a break. Uh, the same thing is kind of with this stuff is it's it's amazing to me to see like all these shows and, you know, the, the podcasting like that. It's like a phenomenon, you know, where people would stick them on their iPods and then go for a run. You know what I mean? And just like have something to listen to. Like, and that's such a, like, it's a good dope concept, but like it's something that I never did myself or haven't even, you know, considered doing anything. It's, it's, I mean, for, for a certain segment of, you know, the population of earth, it's, it's the way to get media to people because it's, it's once, someone picks up podcasts and they become a podcast listener they turn their radio off forever and they never turn it back on and i know a handful of guys that have turned off their television as well and never turned it back on like i i i don't own a television i haven't owned a television in like eight years i know another guy who's never owned one since he he you know became an adult and I know a couple other people who just don't have them anymore. And these are guys that, uh, you know. Well, my television is my monitor, my computer. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's true too. I got a cop to that that I do I do see, you know, more than I intend to see, you know, through the monitor. But so I do have to cop to that. But yeah, I mean, it's just people don't even listen to the radio anymore. And then when when somebody turns on a podcast to listen to it. They went and they got that intentionally. This, this is not a casual listener. This is somebody who's involved in a thing. I mean, if they were just going to be a casual listener, there's plenty of free audiobooks and and you know to listen to and put on in the background while you're working. But that's you know people seem to listen to podcasts for a reason, and, and that's really really cool to know that you've got somebody's attention. Definitely. I feel that same way with music. Like it's, it blows my mind because you know I started doing it like in my basement for myself or whatever and then like you know to know that like there's you know when i can go to like some odd town and there's a kid in the front row who knows every line every song i'm doing like that is it's such a weird experience i mean it's just like how i can relate to this type of thing like where it's like it's amazing to have people like seek your stuff out and then care about it and, and want to you know listen to it and and interact with it you know uh to, to even be a part but what's what well, i was the reason i'm asking though is like if you guys just have these like crazy hosts like because i i have access to some odd because i have this weird weird crossover um in my life like where i know a lot of like famous people like that are like 
regular famous, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, but there are people, like, like, for instance, like, in electronic music or something, and it'd be, I think it'd be really cool to do, like, a podcast, like, an interview with, you know, some of them, you know, like, what I would host it or whatever, and then, um... Fuck yeah, dude, please. I think it'd be kind of funny to, to do something like that just as a guest host, but, uh... And and there's no restriction on language, by the way. You don't have to censor people at all. You can let them curse up a storm or talk about whatever they're willing to talk about. I I don't usually talk that way because I, I like the idea of, you know, maybe listening to the show with my kids or, or whatever or somebody being able to listen with their kids. So I don't do that personally. But there's plenty of people who do and we're not, you know, nobody poo-poos it. But, dude, yeah, if you want to host a show and record a podcast, hell yeah, we're all about that. Like I said, probably – plan what it would be more of but I, and i wondered about that too because i i said shit and then you didn't correct me and so then i i think i said shit twice or three times and i said fuck once so i didn't know if it's one of those because i've been on yeah some ones where it's like uh you have to bleep you on the thing and i like i'm not sometimes i have a really filthy mouth but for the most part it's just like i think that it's kind of like the garnish you know on a on a dinner plate like as long as you use profanity and a tasteful manner it has a eloquence about it i guess yeah for sure and it's contextual as well i mean you can't you know the, the, you don't talk the same way with your with your buds when you're out on a friday night as you do when you're with your parents i mean as long as you can uh you know make that distinction for yourself then i don't you know there's nothing wrong with it no for sure oh man some of this has been fascinating i'm gonna have to paste some of this back into the the part of the show after i said we were done this has really been cool dude um, yeah, well, like I said, anything else you need from me, just give me a holler. Uh, sorry it took so long to uh, get off the ground. I've been in and out, and uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know if you can hear. I, I'm a little head congested, but I'll hopefully that clears up shortly. I I heard it at first. I definitely heard it at first. You sounded like you were clearing up throughout the throughout the interview. But oh, dude, I I I know what you're going through because I've had the, I've been on antibiotics three times now, and this last one was a double dose and it still just hasn't fucking touched this shit like my nose is just on fire constantly i, I like me I, i'm all about like building and conditioning my immune system on yeah 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 carrying me into old age because I, I, I at this point it's, it's just so, but so much like you're getting these confined spaces and, and again like i'm constantly hugging shaking hands like doing something so it, invariably I wind up getting it never it doesn't floor me the way it used to like I used to get sick and I couldn't even do anything but now I, I just get I mean I'm sick and I whine but I'm, I'm I can move around and do things so it's good yeah this year when I caught whatever the hell this thing is head cold or flu whatever it is, this is the first time I've ever gotten sick and been afraid of it I've never been scared of being sick before and I was scared with this one because I was getting like dizzy and like dizzy spells just out of the blue and it wouldn't it wouldn't look dizzy like the room isn't spinning but it still felt like it was and that scared the hell out of me i i, I went to the doctor i was so afraid exactly what you're talking about yeah i me i just like honestly if something as simple as the flu takes me out then you know i wasn't built for this world anyway like <laughs> <laughs> ring the bell put me in the wood grain ring the bell yeah definitely um yeah, so all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna run because it's been a while here. I need to grab some dinner and another quick shot. Uh, but.
But dude, yeah, if you want to do anything on Hacker Public Radio at all, um, it's just hpr at hackerpublicradio.com is the email address, and we'll get you any information you need. And we uh, basically what, what they're doing now, they're trying to script it all uh, so that somebody, all they have to do is just upload the show to the FTP, and they're, they're working on the website. They want to build just something you just, you know, click browse the file and find it. And then the the server on the back end will add the intro and the outro music and it pastes your show notes in and everything the right and adds all the, the uh, ID three tags and everything. But it's 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 coming along slowly, but what they're doing is good work on the back end. But yeah, if you want to do any of that, you either just shoot me an email or, or email HPR at, at Hacker Public Radio and we will for sure get you anything you need to uh, to complete a project like that. And and I will I will suggest <laughs> if you're gonna do it with you know, multiple people, and you're going to do it over the net like this. Um, the new hotness is a program called Mumble. Mumble. And uh, it's, it beats the hell out of this Skype thing. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, um, like I said, I've done uh, the Ventrilo, like, like I have, because I mean, obviously, I have a lot of professional equipment, like for recording and stuff like that. So I could do, I mean, there's a, there's a million ways that I can patch phones in or skypes and like i i use like soundflower on the mac like to do like different audio configuration routings and i have mixing boards and everything so i mean if i wanted to get super technical um but yeah i think mumble is like the it's like the spiritual successor to ventrilo and Teamspeak and everything like that pretty sure it's for games isn't it like yeah originally it was designed for games but it it works so well that like every podcaster is well i don't know about the professional guys they you know the guys are getting paid to do this but you know as far as uh you know volunteers and and you know amateurs we're all just using mumble and and all you do to set it up is just ask everybody to use push to talk instead of the automatic uh vox type thing and if everybody just remembers to hit that button to laugh at your jokes it sounds very very natural and extraordinarily clean even if you even if you don't multi-track it and just do it a single track, it's it sounds so clean. That's dope. Technology, motherfucker. Yeah, it is. It is badass. You just need you just need a server, and it doesn't even need it doesn't even take any bandwidth. It just I mean you, I can run a server out of my house and have a completely clean conversation on mobile. It's 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 awesome. But uh, yeah, technology's always been a wicked fun, a whole lot of fun. And yeah, dude, if you're ever up in the Northeast, let me know and. Uh, I will definitely find time at least to go to a show. I can't wait to hear your new music, and uh, I, I can't I can't wait to start getting some feedback on the uh, the episode here. I think I think uh, uh, you, we don't get too too much feedback out in the open. We just our system sadly isn't built for it. But you may get an email or two. I wouldn't be surprised. Great, yeah, definitely. Because I know I, I don't know about you, but I, I would assume. I mean, for me, I, I do it for the feedback. That's it. Do it for. Like, cause sometimes it's it's crazy, cause like to to sort of the questions that you're asking, and then like the way that like it's odd, cause I it's kind of like therapy in a way, in some senses, cause when people ask you certain questions, the way they word it or something, then you some clicks, and you're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I and I it's I love Howard Stern, like that that guy, he's podcasting before podcasting type of thing. Like I love watching and listening to Howard Stern, like the way that he interviews people, um, cause he says that since he has ADD, like, he can sense when the audience is boring, 
or be getting bored. Like, so if, if he's having, if he has a line of questioning that he knows isn't like panning out, then he like switches the sub- subject real quick. And like when it's cool doing these things, cause then when you do interview and you're doing feedback and you're getting that constant, like call response type of thing, it, it makes you think in a certain way that maybe you didn't look at a situation before or something. And, and oddly enough, you know, you get asked like, what is nerdcore? You know, how did you get into nerdcore? Like that kind of stuff happens, you know, frequently or whatever. But like in the computer security context, like how, what's the marriage of these things? Like that's, you know, something that's maybe I haven't looked at so much, you know, because don't, there's how many places you're going to do it. You're going to do a hacker public radio or Defcon radio or bin rev or, you know, there's only like a limited venues where they're going to say like, well, how does, you know, phone freaking fit in with your ethos or something. And so, there's a, like a whole different crazy thing. I think every time I do an interview, depending on who it is or what it's for, like you have like a, it's an odd approach. Um, and I've done like another, like a hacker thing. I think that was like last year, I think it was, but there's always interesting stuff that comes out of these things. So I, I find it fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I got to say that, you know, start having the ability to sense when, when the audience is getting bored, isn't that hard, but knowing the next question to go to, when that happens or knowing, knowing how to move on is so tough to do. I, I interviewed, uh, Stallman, Richard Stallman. And I had to, like, I didn't know I was so intimidated beforehand that I just went into our IRC channel and was asking, what would you ask Stallman if you had the chance to talk to him? And that's like, but I went, I went to the interview with like everybody else's questions. Cause I, I knew I couldn't handle it on my own. What does new stand for? <laughs> what do you, <laughs> yeah, you can only imagine like the amount of, again, the questions, like, that's why I always, again, interviewers that are good, like, and this is, you know, except I just, I always feel like I'm boring because I feel like it's just like stupid. I, it, that, and, you know, you feel like you're talking to yourself, especially when you're in, when you're on TV or, you know, in, in a studio or something, it's one thing because there's like a, you get like that instant feedback of somebody's like face or you can kind of detect their like micro reaction or whatever. But you know what? It's these types of things, these voice things over the internet. It's just so difficult to be like, it's like, I'm just talking to my computer monitor. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It, it definitely takes some getting used to. And, and I, it's a little, it's a little more uh, organic when you know like for instance with mumble where i can key up and just say yeah definitely or, or chime in or something just to, to let you know that you're you're I, it sounds a little pretentious to say to let you know when you're on the right track but that's the only thing i can the only way i can kind of phrase it right now but with with uh skype here every time i unmute my microphone it kills you and i can't even hear you and i know it's not going to be recorded and i'm going to boost it up and it's going to sound like shit and then when I unmute, it takes a second for you to come back. So I couldn't do that tonight. Right. right. No, that's fine. Um, like that. Those are. That's why technology sucks sometimes. It's, it's, it's not. It doesn't doesn't work the way we want it to all the time. But <laughs> I'm just in just in a general sense. It's like it's odd. Like because there's people that tell you like, oh yeah, this is a good interview, or that interview sucked, or you're boring. It's, like it's just like it, it trips me out every time. You're just like. I mean, because I said when I grew up, it was like the BBS scene and, and everything, which is very like it was a big local thing, but you didn't have the Internet. And now, you know, when some person in Sri Lanka like emails you and is like, great job, you're like, how the fuck do you 
you know, like, what, how is this, this global shit is crazy, it's, it's insanity, how the hell does this work? Dude, totally, I mentioned on one podcast that I pretty much haven't bought a computer, like, ever, like, since 2001, and I just kind of recycle other people's used stuff and just put it back to use, and, and I mentioned that. And a dude from the Netherlands sent me a motherboard with a processor and RAM and a cooler on it. It was insane. Yeah. Those random acts of technology. <laughs> and tea. He sent me a, a single serving of tea also in the box with the computer. Sip while you uh, installed your um, <laughs> new motherboard. That's awesome. I don't know how to brew tea. It didn't come in a bag. It's like it's in a it's not in a tea bag. I gotta I don't know how to fucking brew tea. It's still sitting on my counter. Oh well, at least you can maybe wear, like make a necklace out of it or something. Wear it around your neck, and keep that. <laughs> right. I'll get some glue and white paper and do macaroni art with it. What a jerk I'd be. Yeah, that's the way to go.